Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. Yeah, so I hear you had a fantastic Saturday. Yeah. I don't know why we let people know when we record. Is that a good thing? I don't think it's bad. I mean, the thing is that we put the podcast out on on Tuesday, and then we're talking about Saturday, like. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I I don't know how we would record, edit, and get on the air on Tuesday. So, hey, we're honest. How's that? Yeah, we're and, honest. We're honest, and that's a good thing. I mean, we we. We are good folks, and we do our thing. Yeah, we're not misleading you and being like, hey, we get all this done on Tuesday morning before work. Before work, and then boom, it's out. Yes. Meanwhile, you can see that it was published at midnight. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We're not bullshitting you around here, man. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about, but again... I'm excited and I'm scared. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I can sort of understand why some people would rather not know. <laughs> now now that I know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> it is bloody scary. <laughs> well, when you first suggested this subject, I, I had seen the trailer and my initial reaction was, was oh God. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Let's not. <laughs> because because my, my two least favorite things in the world, period, are, are religion and politics. And this is both of those things balled up into a nice little nasty ball of yuck. Um, but having watched it now, I think it's definitely worth talking about, even though it's yucky and scary. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it's, so it's, it's like the dirty work that somebody has to do. Um, I think it's fine that we we usually talk about very entertaining stuff, but at the same time we want to be insightful, we want to be thoughtful, and we want to be we want to contribute to conversations. And one of the reasons I thought it was it was proper for us to to discuss this was the fact that it really isn't. Um, entirely it's not partisan it doesn't swing one way or another but but it rather throws the accusation out for um towards both sides of the aisle or although one can see that is is heavily influenced by right-wing politics um absolutely absolutely i agree uh, I was concerned that how much of this was going to be an actual documentary and how much of it would be sensationalized, um, only because I, I know that a human tendency with something that's not fully understood can turn into the sense, sense of, ugh, sensationalist, sensationalist side of it. I can't talk, Graham. Ooh. Yeah. I mean... Have fun editing this. <laughs> 
Um, but in the sense of like the satanic panic that happened back in the eighties or anybody who played Dungeons and Dragons was, you know, a Satan child and, you know, the video game violence it's talking about now and everything. So I was concerned that we were going to get something along those lines with this uh, piled onto the nastiness of, of politics. But, um, this is, um, not sensationalized as far as I can tell, as far as anything that I've read and is quite honestly terrifying yeah and, and it's weird that you haven't seen a lot of people out there trying to discredit um jeff charlotte the the author basically of, of all this and i think it, it actually serves as a bit of vindication to him when uh the whole mark sanford thing went down because i think in his panic in, in, in trying to find a way to justify all the things that he'd done and, and been through, Mark Sanford kind of like outed <laughs> the yes. big secret of um, the family. Yes. And so it sounds like we started rambling without, <laughs> without really telling people what we're talking about. So let's yeah. go ahead and do that by yeah, formally really starting the show, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming. My name is Graham. You may have heard that in the introduction that our announcer, very fine announcer, has done for us from the very beginning, from the inception of the show. And, uh, of course, with me, I could not be here, I would not be doing these, if on the other side, on Skype, I did not have my forever co-host, my fantastic co-host, the great Aunt Jojo, also known as Jocelyn Podcast. <laughs> Here I am. Hello. <laughs> howdy do. <laughs> we always have to start it with a bit of howdy do. Howdy do has to come to play a part in it. In it. So, folks, today we are talking about a Netflix uh, sort of like drama slash documentary uh, called The Family. It was premiered on the 9th of August, which is the day of my birth. And... um. I don't know. At first, I thought, eh, I don't want to watch this, right? <laughs> uh, and even when I saw the trailer, I was like, ah, it's another one of those, you know, denouncing some crazy conservative shit. But then I did some reading about it. Thank God for the reading. And then I found out what it was really about. And I'm like, I'm interested. Yeah. Um. Partly because I did not know of the origins of the National uh, Prayer Breakfast. I did not either. But it's always sounded something weird to me. Something that, like, sort of a tradition that, when did this start? And I think a lot of us think that we know some things that go, go on in Washington. Like, we attribute it to... Yeah, it's something organized by the government. It's something organized by Congress. It's something organized by the um, the White House. But it turns out that's not the case at all. 
I also thought that it was a much older institution than it actually is. Um, for some reason, I had this vision of it going back much, much further than, you know, Eisenhower. So um, I learned that. Yeah, yeah. So about 80 years, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And the whole thing, the documentary, let's let's start by, say, by saying the drama, because some of it, some, some parts of it had to be dramatized to give you a proper idea of what you're looking at, is uh, based on two books written by an author called Jeff Charlotte. And he basically infiltrated the the family or the ICL as it is it's also known. It's it's a very conservative organization in Washington DC, as we say, that is mainly known for organizing the National Prayer Breakfast, but it has so many tentacles that go far, that reach far, far, far more places in aspects of politics than that. And as we said, it's on Netflix. I think it is five episodes of one hour, maybe, Justin? Yeah, just about an hour each. A little less than an hour each episode. And, you know, when I, when I, when I work at the the visitor information center at Charlotte Airport, one of the places that we always tell people to visit is the Charlotte NASCAR Hall of Fame. And I always tell people, even if you're not interested in NASCAR, this is a place you really would like to go visit because it's not simply about NASCAR. And I think this is the kind of advisory that we should make in terms of this in terms of this documentary, even if you're not highly interested in politics, this is not only about politics, but rather about the ins and outs of things that shouldn't be in politics, but that are there and you should know about, isn't it, Jocelyn? Yes, yes. And the manipulation and the machinations and the behind-the-scenes stuff that is happening that tax dollars are being used for um, in ways that you might not be real happy about. That is exactly right. So what, 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 what impressions do you have? In, so how would you describe the, the, many name, <laughs> the many names organization that is the family? Um, um. So they, they call themselves the family. They call themselves the fellowship, which gave me a giggle because all I could think of was the fellowship of the ring. <laughs> um, they call themselves the ICL. Um, They're a group of people who organized small meetings of people all across the country um, for prayer and supposedly under the guise of, of prayer and Bible study and um, I guess sort of just getting folks together to form a common bond. 
um, which sounds innocuous enough in itself. I, what you eventually learn is, though, that they're not really so much interested in prayer or, or religion or being good people as they are in whatever they can do to align themselves with power and using that power to whatever ends they feel is their interpretation of what Jesus said. Their interpretation of Jesus' life or teachings. Um, it's very strange um, to me and very uncomfortable to watch. Um, I have to say, I, I, this is a slight tangent here, but I kind of wish that, I know really there's no kind of, I wish this every day, but I do wish my father was alive. Um, I wish that he was alive to watch this. And I would love to hear his thoughts on this. And the person who was a big, the person who founded it was, my understanding, um, Abraham Verity. Yes. And he was also, uh, had a, an acolyte by the name of Doug Coe. And I feel like I could have said, I never knew these names before this documentary, but I feel like I could have said those two names to my father were he alive and he would have told me 12 facts that weren't in the <laughs> So I miss him for that because I love, would have loved for him to have seen this so that he and I could have talked about it. And so he could have been a guest on the podcast. Oh, that would be, that would have been awesome. That, that would have been awesome. Because he would have had a, a great uh, insight into this. Because I am quite sure that he knows, knew all about these people. So, um, but anyway, Abraham Verity was the person who, who began this. And what you find out about three hours into the documentary is that essentially the reason behind this was to bring businessmen together, white upper-class businessmen together to crush the or oppress the uprising of the working class union and the labor parties and um, was quite effective in doing that. And so I think what you discover about all of this is that none of this is really truly about anything that Jesus ever said or did. This is all about um, making sure that the rich get richer. Absolutely. And, and, and I think also, as, as you said, it, it, it's really a bastardization of, of the gospel. And the way they do it, because... Okay, everything is subject to interpretation, but it's such a corrupt interpretation. It's so blatantly um, contrary to what Jesus said, acted upon, and intended for his gospel to be about that you ask yourself, how are they getting away with it? Yes, exactly. Because, it, I mean, you could even... You could say that, okay, he said this, so I'm going to interpret it this way. But if you looked at the way Jesus lived his life and what he actually did, then you need to align that with what he said. And I like the fact that they say if Jesus was alive today, he would be a Marine and a tough man. And, and I'm like, no, do it. I mean, there were mercenaries back then. There were yes. bad motherfuckers back then, too. Jesus yes. could have aligned himself with those motherfuckers, and he didn't, right? Yes. <laughs> That's because he wasn't about that shit. 
<laughs> no, he was a carpenter and he helped poor people and he suggested that we all try to get along with each other and they killed him for it. So, you know. Exactly. And so for me, the fact that Dog Co always said uh, things like, right, well, Jesus came for, Jesus, you know, like Jesus came for the, well, that was actually Abraham uh, Verdi that, that came up with the idea that, you know, we have tended to the poor for, for too long <laughs> in yes. that, you know, it is time basically that we understand that Jesus also loved the strong ones and that, you know, the strong ones are the ones that are basically um, fit to lead, right? And yes. as imperfect as anyone can be, as long as you are chosen by God, well, it's all good. And that helps us understand why is it that the evangelical right follows Trump? <laughs> you know, uh, why is it that um, a guy like Franklin Graham can say, well, yeah, you know, God is using him no matter what. I mean, no matter what he's done, no matter what his sins are, no matter what he, you know, how imperfect he may be, he's, he, he's, he's, God is using him, which right. led for, to Trump for uh, saying this week that he was the chosen one. And <laughs> one might think, well, the guy is delirious. But then if you watch the family, you will understand what, why he thinks so. Right? Yeah. And so this is what we want, where we want to go with the family is that where we want to go with recommending that you watch these documentary, sort of like movie, if you will, and sort of like a limited series, right? Five episode limited series, is that no matter what your, your religious persuasion is, it is important that you understand that there are some, um, there are some in any ideology there are some corrupted uh, particles, <laughs> and and you have to be able to recognize that. You have to be able to know where they are in order to reject them, and so the way the fellowship presents itself. You know, the, 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 the movie starts by basically Jeff Charlotte talking about how a friend of his who was pretty, you know, affluent from a pretty affluent family, basically um, sort of like abandoned everything and, and dropped off the map, right? Yes. And to the point where the family itself was sort of like worried about like, man, somebody need to find this kid and you know, talk some sense into him, but he won't listen to us. So why, why don't you try and find him and, and, and see what you get out of him? And when he basically finds his friend, actually he's the one who ended up being convinced, although by his own admission, more interested in finding, you know, the, the, the source for his book, for, for his investigation... But he's the one who ended up being moving into the same place where his friend had disappeared, which was 
into a mansion in Arlington, Virginia, which is where I, I find it so weird, you know, that young men <laughs> become aides to very powerful political figures in Washington, D.C., but they're sort of like behind the scene. They rake leaves, right? Yeah. They clean yeah. toilets. Yes. yes. You know. It's very, very, very strange. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's a way to keep you quote unquote clean. So there's no way to have anything on you. If you decide to pursue a political career or if the family feels that you would be good for a political career, you know, they can make sure that nobody has any dirt on you in that sense. Since there, you know, there's no co-ed right. stuff going on. So I, I, I don't know. I don't. And even the women uh, involved in this, Obviously, the women are never going to be as powerful as the dudes. Um, but even the women sort of like have this um, weird acceptance of their, 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 the the sub something role, if you will. Like, like it's like yeah, we're there to serve the men, and the men are there to serve God. <laughs> it's, it's something like that. Like, it, it's yeah. so weird. It's so absolutely bizarre. Yeah, it's it's like the the men are being polished for a, a some sort of a career, a political career, and the women are are being polished to be a, a good wife, a yeah. good mother, a good figure to stand beside their husband, and you know, I don't know, start knitting groups or something innocuous like that, you know. Um, so I I kind of wish there'd been a little bit more about some of that um, side of it too. Um, I would have been interested to know a little bit more about about the the feminine side of this. Um, I understand why why what the slant of the documentary was and why it was because obviously this young man could not infiltrate the the woman's uh, house. But um, I kind of wish there'd been a little bit more about that because that's sort of you know. Sister and scary and so me. do so do I. But I also think that there wasn't much really. He could have written more more than two pages about the role of the women in terms of it's basically well, I, like the it's a wing that is not non non existent other than they leave their themselves too and then you know they get paired with some dude to get married eventually and be some maybe be the first lady or uh, of some state or yeah or the country or whatever yeah 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 I, I just am curious as to what kind of woman is interested in that sort of life i karen I pence uh, one comes to mind maybe <laughs> I, I, i'm not saying that they don't exist that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying i don't i would like to understand a little bit more about the psyche of that sort of female because <sighs> i i don't and i would just be interested to see what you're being told that makes you feel that that is going to be your role in society for the young men. I understand it because they're told, right. They're told they're, they're leaders and that they're going to be, you know, part of ruling the world and, and that kind of thing that, okay. You know, that is attractive, but if you're just going to be on the side, I don't know. I just would be interested to know a little bit more about that psyche of things. But here's one thing that personally, 
caught, grabbed my attention every time is that in pretty much every, the very few public statements that Doug Co. does, he always talks about the unification, the strength in, in, in basic, basically being united as a front, the strength of some kind of blind loyalty to each other, sort of like a blood covenant. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing, and I don't know if you noticed this, but he always ended up talking about dictators, yes, the mafia, and in despots, like, you know, sort of like, basically, you have to imitate those people to to sort of like achieve the kind of loyalty, their 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 proneness for loyalty that they 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 demanded from 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 other people, in yeah. order for you to become powerful, in order for you to be at the command of anything. In that is a bizarre fascination I find, because this is this is a group that basically shrinks the Bible, the entire Bible, into the four Gospels. So they, they, they say that they're not about religion, but rather about Jesus, simply about Jesus. So, so it's not Jesus a denominational thing. Jesus plus nothing, exactly. That's the philosophy of Doug Coe. Jesus plus nothing. So basically they study from the beginning to the end all four Gospels, plus the uh, Book of Acts, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The Apostles' Acts, which they call it the Ambassadors' Acts. Um, and I find this fascinating that what they go on to do has nothing to do <laughs> with these books. Nope. You know, nope. and and rather... Someone said during the the film. Someone said Jesus never went to Rome. He he just Jesus never met with with the emperors. Jesus never like he never sought any relationship with the ones on the very you know on the very top of power. Nope. He was talking to the poor people, the lepers, the women, um, the essentially people that nobody else wanted to talk to. Right. And so this fascination with, with power, this perverse fascination with power is what, where I don't understand where he parts from and what kind of interpretation comes from there. And while I was watching the movie, what I kept thinking is, so because in, in towards the third and fourth episode, you sort of, sort of start to see what this is all about, which is about power as Jocelyn mentioned before, about power, but also about dominance, not, not, in, not only national dominance, but world dominance. Yes. And I know that it sounds like conspiracy theory subject matter to you, but that's not the kind of world dominance we're talking about. It's not like, you know, this cartoonish, <laughs> I'm going to rule the world. That's not the kind of shit that we're talking about. 
One million dollars. Yeah. (laughs) That's not what we're talking about. So we're talking about things that you've heard of, but you never knew who was behind it. For example, about five years, no, a little bit more than that. I want to say seven years ago, there was this huge controversy in Uganda. And it was a the Ugandan parliament had passed a law that basically, well, not basically, literally said that, you know, if you were a gay person, you would be put to death, right? They killed the gay bill as it became known. And I think the only few people who talked about the kill the gay and linked it directly to C Street and to the fellowship are, you know, Rachel Maddow and a few other international news organizations. But other than that, most news covered it as world news. Like, you know, look how barbaric that country is that they're going to, they have passed a law to put gay people to death. But what, what, what most people never knew is that these groups, these very, very powerful conservative groups were behind those laws because what they've done for the, since the beginning of time is <laughs> to go into other countries, influence politics, influence politicians with money, and of course, with the gospel that they are preaching, make no mistake that this is their gospel. It is not the Jesus Christ gospel. Okay. And if you have seen this wave of conservatism rise around the world in countries that were pretty much very, very liberal, especially in some countries in Central and Eastern Europe. You know whose hands is behind that, isn't it, Joseph? Yeah, yeah, and it's um, it's a fascinating look at how how are you know, they they use the example of and I can't remember who it was in the documentary said this that essentially they would walk in the room and say Jesus, the other guy would say Jesus. And it was like a contract between the two countries now. Yeah. And, um, okay, so you said Jesus, so cool, we're good now, so we're <laughs> going to send you money and guns. <laughs> um, and to me, that's, that's of course, abhorrent and um, also fascinating and terrifying all at the same time and nauseating um, that something like this can, the, just the power of, of being able to say that and, and being able to, I, I don't know. I don't know. This, this is just amazing. And I think one of, one of, for me, one of the most disgusting parts of this whole thing is at some point you don't even know who's using who. And the reason I say that is because I know that despots, for instance, most of them don't believe in any of that shit. Mm-mm. You know, but again, they know that through some sort of religious, highly moralistic 
point of view, they can control societies, right? Passing laws. And as long as they get a certain kind of people behind those laws, they know that they can perpetuate themselves in power, which is a perfect example, for instance, is, is how one of the ways Vladimir Putin made himself a very popular president in, in Russia, it was by going after homosexuality as a matter of moral. I don't know if you remember that. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and although, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of young people in Russia, like in the United States, people who are more preoccupied with politics are the older generations. And what, what is one thing the older generations have in common is a different point of view in LGBTQ life. And so they are the ones who got behind Putin and that's how Putin consolidated power, right? So young people don't matter because they don't vote and when they finally decide to vote is because we've taken enough from them. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've mm -hmm. consolidated power enough that that their vote don't matter. In this is where the slippery slope starts. In the hands of perverse religio religious hands are behind all that. And this is what they're doing. This is what you should know they're doing. This is what you should look for when you go and watch these. When, when you go and watch this film, because you have to understand how power is being manipulated. It's almost as if the Inquisition decided to uh, so the way the inquisition went back in the day was it was the catholic army <laughs> went and conquered places and freaking converted people right so they waged war against countries and empires and shit and forced them into conversion otherwise you get obliterated right mm -hmm. yeah. but this is a new kind of inquisition is conquer government through money, relationship, and power, and then now make them your puppets, turn them against their own people through conservative religiosity. Does that make sense? It does. It so does. And it's and it's awful because uh, religion is not supposed to have any place in politics, and politics is not supposed to have any place in religion. And by supposed to, I I, I mean morally, ethically, and everything else. Um, it's just. <laughs> You, you shouldn't be a, a church leader and have anything to do with politics, and you shouldn't be a politician and be a church leader. I mean, that's it's just anathema. So the, this whole thing is particularly abhorrent to me personally. I just And let's talk about some very famous members of the 
the ICL or the fellowship or what what are the name is it then the family Family. that we have gotten to know that aren't are necessarily living embodiment of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and I talk about this because, you know, you have to understand how these people have created a complete theory to defend the indefensible. A an argument to simply just defend what no one would stand for. If you guys remember, here in the south of the United States, there was once a very, you know, politically attractive governor of South Carolina named Mark Sanford. Do you remember Mark, Mark Sanford, Jocelyn? <laughs> I had forgotten he existed until this happened. And then when it popped up, the whole story came rolling back. And I got oh, giggles. That was juicy. Oh, I got the giggles. <laughs> so Mark Sanford, if you guys remember, was the governor that disappeared for a few days during a weekend. His wife did not know about him. His aides didn't know where he was. His lieutenant governor didn't know where he was. The press in his... Um, in his state, they didn't know where he was. And so everybody was looking for Governor Mark Sanford. And ultimately, a lie was concocted, basically to excuse the governor's um, mysterious absence, right? By saying he had, I think he said something about, he was about to write something and he needed to take some time off, so he went... Um, to hike the Appalachian Trail. Do you, do, do you remember that? Yeah. So, I, I see it was almost like a spiritual thing or something he presented. Sort of like, know, a like, like a retreat. Like soul cleansing or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly... <laughs> he was doing some soul cleansing. <laughs> and... Eventually, the story came out that he was actually soul cleansing in Argentina, you know, <laughs> literally doing the chitty chitty bang bang. <laughs> and so he ultimately came out and fessed up to the whole thing. But what eventually he did, and you may have heard us talk about this in the very beginning of this conversation is that I think he was the very first person to ever reveal at least he, that he at least was a member, not a member, but like one of the tenants at C Street, which is a house where some of the most conservative, you know, uh, um, Congress people live in Washington, right? And is directly linked to the family. Yes. And the greatest thing about that is that during all of his press conferences, he used all of the Christian metaphors and all of the Christian ar the arguments that we are seeing on this, in this movie that are typical of the family. The way that he presented his 
falling as, oh, you know, King David was, <laughs> you know, King David was, a, you know, a bad motherfucker too. You know what I mean? He banged his friend's wife. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you know, I found that um, actually kind of disturbing and creepy. Yeah. When he, when, when the, when Sanford was speaking, because it was like, good Lord, this is everything. It's like he's reading from their playbook. Yeah. It was like he was just reciting what he'd been told, and it was it was strange. And it's not anything that you would recognize until you watch this documentary exactly. or perhaps knew something about C Street and the fellowship and the family and everything else. But you're watching it going, dear Lord, he's he's just he's literally reading their their intro to, yes. to the to the family. <laughs> yes, he he was being fed by them. As to why he should perpetuate himself, why he should just stay put. He shouldn't have to resign because you have to understand these people think that they are in position of power because they, however imperfect they may be, they were chosen by God. And so you really, you really have to understand these folks. You really have to understand from where these people are coming from, why is it that whenever a scandal pops up, if you notice, and this is, I'm not going partisan here, but I'm just, I'm just stating a fact, okay? The fact is, whenever, whenever a Democratic politician gets in trouble, the calls come out for them to resign and two, three days, maybe a week later, after much, well, I'm not going to resign. Well, boom. They go ahead and resign. But have you ever asked yourself, why is it that dude, well, David Vitter from Louisiana, who was found with a prostitute and coke and the whole shit, never resigned? Why John Ensing from, um, from, Las, from, from Nevada? who was banging his best friend's wife. Man, I mean, do you, do you understand how terrible of a human being you have to be? And under the conditions, I mean, that's horrible, Jocelyn. Imagine my best friend. Imagine my best friend, Rafael Hernandez, in the Dominican Republic, right? His house has, gets burglarized. They fear for their lives. And I say to Rafael, that's not a problem, mate. Why don't you come move here with me and Christine into my house, right? We have plenty we have plenty of room for you until you feel you know well secured enough to go back home. And while Raphael and his wife and his family is staying with me, I engaged in a <laughs> extramarital affair with his wife. Mm -hmm. do, you know how, do you know how horrible that is? The level of betrayal there is, is mind-boggling. And um, Doug Hampton, who was the, the other party in that, the, the, the husband, the other husband, I enjoyed his interviews. By the, by the last interview that I saw with him, I, I felt like he was really genuinely trying to be a decent person, yeah. a decent human being. And, um, and that's, 
Yeah, the level of betrayal there. I mean, he's never, you don't recover from that. No. And then, by the by the way, he's, he's the still- one who ended up going to jail for some yeah, reason. He went, he went to jail. I don't know why. I forget why. Oh, because what's his name? The other dude gave him a job, I guess, as an apology or something. And apparently yeah. you're not allowed to do that. But instead of the person giving the job going to jail, the person who took the job goes to jail because that's that is amazing. That that's exactly what's happening now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Michael Cohen, for instance, Michael Cohen is in jail for <laughs> serving what Trump wanted him to do by by paying off these women so that they wouldn't come out and talk about Trump's infidelities during during the, the, the elections, right? So that's a violation of, of electoral ethics. But Michael Cohen is the one who's sitting in jail for it. It's good to be the king. It's it's absolutely great to be the king. <laughs> and that's exa- and that seems to be a pattern in Washington and I don't know who who hasn't seen that. Scooter Libby, for instance, during the Bush administration. I mean, fucking G- Dick Cheney was the one who should have gone to jail, but guess who went to jail? Scooter Libby. You know, I mean, he was pardoned eventually, but yeah, he went to jail. It's always the same fucking thing. And as you say, Doug Hampton, um, he's a sad character. And I know that he doesn't want anybody to feel sorry for him, but you can't help but feel sorry for him. You cannot help but feel sorry for him because... He got used, and I'm not going to sit here and say that may, that he, his wife's affair with John Ensign was not consensual. But on the other hand, it always, in situations like this, you always have to think, well, what about coercion? Yeah. You have to think, yeah. what if John Ensign went to that woman, slipped into her, her bedroom, or just, 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 got her in some corner in the house and say, you either give me something or you and your husband are out of my house and you don't have a place to go. And you know what I mean? Like there's a whole lot of way this could have gone. There's a lot of ways to think about this because at the end of the day, John Ensign was a powerful motherfucker. Yeah. A United States Senator. This is also Las Vegas and his father was, um, you know, a casino boss, which is not necessarily known for being the most scrupulous of folks. Mm-hmm. I mean, he definitely could have gone to her and been like, hey, if you uh, want your kids to be safe, uh, come on, let's let's do a little something, something here. Because yeah. I know some guys who know some guys. <laughs> you know, and, you know, it sounds very much so that. As though the, the the relationship was consensual, because you know, according to Doug Hampton, you know he they continued seeing each other even after John Ensing had promised that you know he was a Jesus person and he he wasn't going to do that again, and it was the biggest mistake of his life, and and yet he spent a weekend at the I think it was the Mandalay Bay, I believe so, yeah. You know what I mean? He was Mandalaying her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I couldn't help but go there, you know. <laughs> oh, <was> terrible. <laughs> My bad. That was terrible. Wow. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> 
All right. <laughs> I can do this all night, but no. Okay. <laughs> all right. So where was I? <laughs> all right. Okay. So the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, so you got Mark Sanford, you got John Ensing, and you have a plethora of hypocrites who are basically in a, I, I think you can call it a Christian mafia, isn't it? Is it, is it, is it, is it, can we call it Christian at all? I don't, I don't think you can. I, 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 I almost want to say the Jesus mafia, but not Jesus as in the Jesus that we know, but their interpretation of Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, maybe Jesus? No? <laughs> <laughs> Something along those lines. Cause I don't even, I don't even know that I feel like any true Christian is going to look at this and, and be really squicked out. So I hate to call it a Christian mafia, but I don't know. It, it, it's just, it's just a horrible thing. Yeah. A religion mafia. How about that? Yes. A religion mafia. Yes. And they, and they claim not, they claim they're not, they're not about religion. Claim to not be an organization, too. Yeah, it's not an organization. <laughs> it's not an organization, but they have a tax exempt status. Yes. Explain me that. Riddle me this. Yes. Um. <laughs> no. No organization. No lead. No. No hierarchy. But Doug Coe was the most powerful dude in in in, in Washington <laughs> that you never heard of. Yeah. Um. The again, they're not organized, but they're all over the world. You know, and you know the most disturbing part of this whole thing for me is the coziness of the family to Vladimir Putin's Russia. The fact that we've always talked about how uh, Maria Butina infiltrated the NRA because that's what we mostly know Maria Butina for. Maria Butina came into the country being a Russian spy, but came to the United States and sort of created this fake movement of gun ownership, you know, Second Amendment kind of shit for Russia here and attempted in that respect to, to infiltrate conservative groups, the mostly the NRA. But it turns out that her point of entry into Washington was the family, was the national prayer breakfast, and the whole, I mean, come on. Yeah. And, yeah. and now it makes sense that I think from the middle of President Obama's second term, I started feeling like Republicans in Washington were tacitly sort of like, being pro-Putin. I remember the first time I kind of went like, what? Was an interview that Rudy Giuliani gave on Fox News where he said, Vladimir Putin is a leader. Obama is not a leader. <laughs> and I'm like, are we talking about 
Putin the Russian dude that kills journalists and jails his opponents and poison motherfuckers? Is that the Putin we're talking about? Yeah. Well, it turns out that, again, the fellowship does not care about what you do <laughs> to your people as long as you are friends with them. They um, befriend, They have befriended the Kremlin, right? They attempted to befriend, and they thought they were successful at befriending Muammar Gaddafi. <laughs> Which is this is this is when the story becomes ridiculous, mm -hmm. okay? And um, the Ugandan president, uh, Musawiri, Musawiri, that dude, never, yeah, that dude, I'll that dude, his name. yeah, yes, um, Omar Al Bashir, I mean, despots, dictators. Murderers. Murderers. And in People fact... with literal blood on their hands. One of the episodes is called Thieves, Murderers, and, and, and Despots, or something like that. And it, it, it is referring to that. The, the fact that as long as they gain entrance into a country where they can propagate their juice... And they have complete sanction in license from the government of the of that country. You get everything. You get everything. If you ever wanted to know why is it that most religious people internationally are more conservative even than those who are conservative in the United States, here's your answer. Why when, I mean, why when you go to Latin American countries, you know, you find some evangelical churches where women aren't even allowed to wear pants, aren't allowed to tame their hairs, aren't allowed to, 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 they have to observe a certain, I don't know, law of modesty. All that is influenced by conservative missionaries, white saviors from America. And you can thank the fellowship. You can thank uh, the family for that. So it's a very juicy movie. And it may sound like we have a lot to talk about about it, but you have to watch it. That's all I can say. I think we've done our best to describe it for you, but nah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's worth a watch for everyone. Um, I, I think it could have used maybe just a little bit of editing because um, it it's, it's definitely a time investment, and I feel like some of it was sort of hashed and rehashed. And I understand the point the filmmakers were trying to make, but I almost wish they'd cut it down a little bit because, um, you know, time is limited in our life. <laughs> yeah. But there was a term that, that I really enjoyed that was said that I, I wanted to call attention to because it, it really made me happy. It was uh, uh, a lady 
uh, church leader, and I've forgotten her name because I'm terrible with names. Um, but they were, she and uh, another church re- leader were sort of spearheading the campaign to get the family's uh, tax-exempt status revoked. And she talked about how people, she was mind-boggled by people being able to justify the current administration. And she called it (laughs) self-impretzelment. I like that. And and I thought that was delightful, and the and the way you know it's not mental gymnastics or anything, but this the, the image that that conjures up self impretzelment that you would have to go through to be able to be like, yeah, this is cool. This is what Jesus would want. Yeah, I'm but cool with that. This is great. Jesus would definitely be down with everything that's happening. Um, I really liked the way she said that, and I, I want to like start using that. Self impretzelment. Self impretzelment. Yes. Because I just thought that was that was great and a very alliterative. You can just see the person twisting themselves into a pretzel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is totally cool. Yep, yep. I love it. Fine. I love it. I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. <laughs> but I think that that everybody should watch this that can, as you have the time to watch it, um, because it is. Very eye-opening and scary and something to think about as you are making whatever choices you decide to make um, in in who you want making decisions uh, that affect yourself or your children. Um, and uh, I don't know. They don't seem to care very much about women, so maybe um, look to some women folks to lead some things. <laughs> and, and and to tell you the truth though, now it, it's even clearer to me why is it that the United States has not yet even seen a vice pre- a female vice president. Um because the organization is largely in entirely made of white dudes. Um mm-hmm. older white dudes, mm-hmm. some younger white dudes but it's all about, in fact, here's the crazy thing. In the dramatization of it, there was a black dude. But nowhere in the part that is actually documented do you see a black dude involved in that, other than the Africans that are involved. <laughs> because, you know, colonizers, whatever. <laughs> but, but you see what I'm saying? Like, in, in the part that is this American-based, I, t- I didn't see any person of color. <laughs> the, the only thing that I saw was in the Portland prayer. There's like a they are a Portland prayer group that um that that was the only place that I saw any anybody who wasn't white. But it was all men. It's all men. Yeah. 100% men. Yeah. There's no woman. So so imagine if this kind of organization has its end its hand on everything that is politics in Washington. What would they think? How do you think? And let's be sure about something. We're not suggesting either that there is a, like, you know, the great cabal that everybody wants to, (laughs) want everybody to think that there is like, whoa, 
the Kabbalin is behind that. Please don't take these as in as a pretext to I'm never voting again because anyway no that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about people who who use power because like they've done it from the beginning of time, and it's not like they've always used one party. They use both parties. A lot of one of the things that you will hear a lot, especially with the Congress people that are interviewed there, either former or or current, they always talk about bipartisanship in that fellowship. Like we meet on a weekly basis and we read the Bible and we pray from both parties. You know what I mean? So it's not about you know they literally don't have a partisan agenda, but rather a political agenda that involves both freaking parties. So get that through your minds. And what you want to want to do now is when you're voting, just considering who you're voting for. I just, <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. It, it's, no, it's not about not voting. It's not about just walking away from the right to vote. It's not about just becoming completely cynical of of politics because you know the family now you just have to know who the fuck you're sending to washington that's all i'm saying right speech. so like what that's a good speech thank you thank you very much thank you. <laughs> <laughs> i think we're gonna <laughs> yes yes yeah <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They, they don't want me in Washington. Uh, yeah. uh, what was the, uh, the quote from, um, it might have been Douglas Adams, actually, who said that um, anybody who wants to be president should absolutely never get the job. <laughs> They're definitely not qualified for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the the first thing you the first thing you see from you hear from anybody running from for president is, well, you know, I never said never, never, but you know, right now I'm committed to being the, the state representative for so and so and so, and then the next day, boom, they launch their campaign. <laughs> <laughs> like, really, dude? You just said yesterday that you were just interested in being the mayor of Bumfuck, Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> What happened today? How did you change your mind so quickly? Meanwhile, meanwhile, bumfuck Idaho is going, hey! <laughs> oh, shit. But is there really a bumfuck Idaho? Like, I don't know. There might be. I, 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 I want to know. Surprised, but there's intercourse Pennsylvania. <laughs> Thank you, Jocelyn. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Ah, you didn't stay behind you, would you? <laughs> okay, I see what you did there. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and close this out, Jocelyn. <laughs> All, right. All right, folks, uh, this is it for today. We hope you watch this and never talk about it again. Yeah, there you go. No, I seriously, seriously, it's it's one of those things that makes me like, Ooh, I want to stay away from this. But we did have to tackle it, and I'm I'm glad we did. Right. Yes. Uh, yep. I'm glad I watched it. Even though I was going, no, I'm <laughs> glad I watched it. And I, I hope we've made it very light for you guys um, because it's, it's kind of a heavy subject matter. Um, you might want to, 
you might want a drink or two <laughs> to watch this. If you care about politics as much as we do, that's just just that. I mean, if, if you don't give a shit, you can watch it and be like, eh, whatever. Oh, I should say to you, because I, I kind of feel like, I don't know why I feel like the mommy with this, but I feel like I should say to you that I don't know that the the warnings at the beginning of the episodes are necessarily as good as they should be. There There is some shots of genocide of, yeah. of people being beaten to death and yes. people being killed or being for being homosexual or gay or accused of such. Um, so um, maybe kind of be be aware of that that I did not see that mentioned in some of the the warnings before the episode so you may not want to have the children in the room for this show I don't think I saw any warnings at all <laughs> you know yeah I, I don't think I did either you just like bam like holy shit yeah I wish I didn't ones, see that yeah, seriously yeah I wish I hadn't either and so I feel compelled to mention that to our listeners there there is some disturbing footage in this that i don't remember there being a warning about well thank you jocelyn that is very thoughtful of you i must say well i worry about the kids yeah this is not something you're gonna watch with the kids to begin with so yeah no <laughs> i don't know some people put stuff on and have kids so just wander around in the background, and I'm like, yeah, they they pay attention to stuff just because they look like they're into their iPad or whatever. It doesn't hey, necessarily mean they are. Trust me, when I I remember, you know, Jamal sitting in the back of the car, and he was never one to be talking, you know, but you know, a few days later, he would come up and just ask about question, ask questions about shit that <laughs> me and Christine were talking about, like. So you heard that? <laughs> and I'm like, yo, we got to start being careful about this little dude right here. <laughs> you know? Like, wait a minute. You were upstairs in a completely different room. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, how come you didn't say anything? He was like, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, man, you guys, you guys have to be, we have to be careful around kids. Um. Kicking and Streaming Podcast has a website. It's called, it is kickinandstreamingpodcast.com. Also, we are on the Twitter, Kicking and Streaming, at Kicking and Streaming. I, I forgot the, I always forget the at, Jocelyn. Eh, it's in red now. Okay, so cool. And, and our IG is Kicking and Streaming underscore podcast, Jocelyn. And go ahead and tell folks where they, how they can find you on IG. I'm Jocelyn Podcast. Jocelyn Podcast. If you're looking for Jocelyn, you ain't, you ain't going to find her. No. No, it's Jocelyn. Also, you can, uh, you can also support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash kicking and streaming. We're there. We have some good stuff there. And uh, Jocelyn, I think we, we might... We might even have an extra episode this month. And what do we have? About six days left of the month? Yeah. Yeah. We might have an extra episode, right? So we have next we have next week's episode. No? Yeah. Whatever, dude. It's math, man. Nobody told me there'd be math. <laughs> I wasn't forewarned. <laughs> uh... 
there's gonna be math that has to be prepared. <laughs> no one said anything about that shit. <laughs> well, family, we out, and we're not talking about that family. We we generally consider you family for listening to us. So yes, we out. You guys have a good week. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. Mm-hmm.